Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Niall lives on a hill, a very steep hill. Which is great for the calf muscles, but when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbours' pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about. And from only €45 per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry. Be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See Dacia.ie. Hiya, welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that knows how to party like it's June the 1st, 20, June 21st, 2021. Oh, yes. That is mostly staying in and largely being disappointed with what it looks like. <laughs> oh, mate, I've, I've got my uh, my outside pub table booked for 21st of uh, April or whenever it is that we're allowed to go back to outdoor pubs again. Um, I haven't. It was going to be an absolute fucking... It's yeah. going to be a bacchanalian fucking <laughs> afternoon, that isn't it? Oh, it's going to be absolutely staggering in in the levels of uh, it'll be like it's it'll be like what my friend described going to see the Stone Roses at Heaton Park was like their first <laughs> comeback gig, where loads of geography teachers in their forties who'd not been out since nineteen ninety seven. Except everyone is a geography teacher in this analogy. <laughs> yes. No matter how old or young you are. Yeah, everyone's du- got a, got a double drop in pills at 9am. <laughs> at least they've had the, set, the good sense to reopen pubs on a Wednesday this time. Whereas last right. time, didn't they reopen pubs on a Friday? Which was one of the stupidest fucking things anyone they, has ever done. Didn't they open at 6am on Saturday morning? One, Something like that, yeah. yeah. And uh, the... Um, yeah, anyway, sorry, I've lost my <laughs> train of thought. unbelievably stupid, but yes. Oh, they're, gonna, they're not going to have the curfew anymore. In Wales, they had a 10 o'clock curfew they had mm. to be owned by, so they had to close. I think they're going to knock that on the head, aren't they? Yeah, I think that was always a silly idea. So Yeah, just tip everybody out at the same time. Didn't we get yeah. over this in the 90s? We realised that <laughs> tipping everybody out of a club at 2 o'clock just meant they all just panelled into each other, especially <laughs> the lads that hadn't pulled. Uh, yes, but yeah, we have a roadmap to... Uh, to sport again, which is alarming, but you know. Breaking news. 
Yeah. Literally breaking news. Tiger oh. Woods is in surgery after oh, a car oh. accident in California, apparently. Oh, I saw he was in a car accident earlier. I didn't realise it was bad. Jesus, poor fucker. Christ. Yeah, so we'll see how that pans out, breaking news. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Lee. Hello. And over hi, there hi. is... I'm Josh, still, just about. Josh, I think you need to share with the listeners the, your, the latest revelation that I found out about you, and I want you to share in full your feelings on the uh, British Sunday roast. I don't care for it. <laughs> I, I, I'll put it out there. I don't care. I think that the most overrated meal on planet Earth is the Sunday roast. It's never better than 7 out of 10. And How often do you often get a 7 out of 10? Very rarely. Like my mother makes a really like good roast dinner. She regularly gets compliments from lots of people who are not me. Um, <laughs> and I like it well enough. It's, a, it's a perfectly... But genuinely, if I never ate another roast dinner in my life, I would not give a fuck. The only good thing about roast dinners, roast potatoes, everything else, honestly, don't care. Yeah, and you were saying that, what was it you said? Every every other food, every other foreign food, even badly done, is better than the best. Than the yeah, best. I said that the worst pe- the worst pizza I've ever had is better than the best roast dinner I've ever had. That's not even, you know, that's, that's, a shit burrito is better than a roast dinner. It just is. There's a reason that everybody else makes fun of our of British cuisine, and that's because we have been conditioned to think that the roast dinner is the pinnacle of all meals, when it's fucking shit, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not quite as against a roast dinner as you are, but I will say that it is a tremendous amount of effort to get a plate. Oh, that's the other food. side of it. But it's effort sort of, versus, you know... Yeah. People Compared talk to, like, about, one pot to make a curry, one pot. Yeah, or, you know, you know people talk about, oh, you know, these, you know... If you want to make a really, really nice Indian at home, it'll take you all day. And it's like, have you made a fucking roast dinner? And I'll tell you what's better at the end of it. It's a really fucking nice Indian. And I think there's something about English, the amount of effort that goes in to create something quite bland from an English point of view. Because the other thing that requires an inordinate amount of kitchen admin, mm-hmm. especially, and it all has to, same with the roast dinner, it all has to come together very quickly at the end, trying to keep everything hot is um, the cooked breakfast, the full English breakfast. Yeah, this is very true. 15 pans, grill going, trying yeah. to keep everything warm, <laughs> keep the plates warm. Who wants a soft egg? You, just, you want your yolk popped? Well, why don't you fuck off then? You know, all of that stuff. <laughs> Whereas, you know, in Mexico or whatever, just chuck it all, you know, Cuevos Rancheros, just crack a couple of fucking eggs. Cra- I mean, is there anything in Mexico you can't crack an egg on top of to make no, it a proper meal? absolutely meat? not. We were in Madrid... The other thing about foreign food as well is that they don't seem to in these kind of these kind of places they won't tolerate being charged a fucking ridiculous amount of money for things in Spain. Yes, I love that. No matter what city you go to in Spain, it's like everything's roughly the same price because it's like no, we're not fucking having it. <laughs> so I went to we went to a place that was around the back of the Reina Sofia Gallery in, in uh, Madrid, mm. and we said, "What's on your menu, Del D?" And they always have an all, an all uh, two courses and a drink for like eleven euro or something. This is right in the middle of Madrid. They brought it over, and it was stuff written down on an, an envelope. Lovely. Two starters, two mains. What do you want? So we said, let's have one of each main. That said, my main came. Start mm. was like a bean stew. That was absolutely fine. Garlic as fuck. Perfect. Mm-hmm. My main came. Four grilled sardines with two fried eggs on top. <laughs> and you know what? If you'd have said to me in the abstract, do you think that egg yolk and sardine goes together? 
I'd have said, I don't think it does, but I no. am telling you, it fucking yeah. does. I can believe it. I can believe it. Yeah. Oh, see, it's everybody else's food is just better than ours. They understand how to use spices and things like that. Imagine what it must have been like in Britain when well, like, this... Pepper turned up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All we'd always had it. Don't get me wrong. I like salt as much as the next man, but... <laughs> If that's your only option, I mean, you're just going to have a lot of salty things, which I'm fine with, but it's the other reason that everything sort of British food takes so fucking long to make is just because there was nothing else to do. You know, yeah, if long you're in, evenings. If you're, in, if you're in Spain or you're in the south of France or you're in Italy, it's like, well, you know, let's fucking make the most, you know, it's beautiful weather outside. We can go out and do something. Get in whereas, the kitchen, quick turnaround. Out yeah, we go let's, get out, let's go. Whereas in Britain, it's just like, wow, we could just make dinner last seven and a half hours or uh, or we can turn in at half past three. So yeah, what are you going to do? And, you know, what we'll do is we'll sit around and cook and eat dinner for seven hours, having no real conversations with each other. Absolutely not. And just suppressing everything. Yeah, and it's interesting we suppress everything other than the desire to have twenty-seven pans to make something bland. I mean, even I mean, the full English is a fucking titan of of words. I mean, yeah, I will, I will, I will but not still speak bland, ill of full English. I suppose on one level, isn't I mean, it's, it? It's you need not, brown it's, sauce to make it better. It's very, very salty. It's just a lot of salt and a lot of carbs, and I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. I will not speak ill of the the cooked breakfast, but as you say, it's a lot. There's a lot of admin there. So. Yes. There you go. Let us know what you think about that. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us what you think about it's probably probably the most con- probably I reckon we could have tapped doubt. in. There's a silent majority out there, I think, Josh, who are waiting. I genuinely it, they've think got that's genuine true. fear in this modern modern yeah. age of being cancelled if they speak no, out. No, exactly. And we're saying my, come on in. If this is the moment that I get cancelled, I'll die on this hill. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> so uh if you want to get in touch with us, I'm at Blood and Mud on the Twitter and you, you are, are what, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner on the Twitter at RubyShirtWatch as well RubyShirtWatch.com yeah. we're on Acast and we're on Apple we're on all those places you can get podcasts from and all yeah. that malarkey and um, we're also on Patreon.com slash Blood and Mud we've had a few flash. people join this week thank you very much oh, in the uh, £2 VIP they've come on in they've got themselves a good lads a, a vodka and lime they've <laughs> put something on the CD jukebox and they're about to have a go on the six foot kaplunk and everyone's happy but um then we've got people who've come in behind the rope, a couple of new people this week. You've paid Hello. five quid for the extra special treats of us talking about what kind of rugby player you might be. And Josh, this week we've got Henry Reese. How, what, how, how do you see Henry Reese? Henry's a fast but not too bright wing with over 250 appearances for clubs, including Bristol, Leicester, very briefly, Jersey, and Doncaster. Uh, it's often said that he could have played for England if only he knew how to do anything but run hard and straight and never, ever, ever pass. So, Henry Reese is Tom Vandell, right? Uh, yeah, I was going for Lee Robinson. Do you remember <laughs> Lee Robinson? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's a wonderful grab from back there. I love it. Got your hand right down the couch for that one. Um, uh, right, thank you very much, Henry, though. Indeed. Also in the VIP this week, we've got a man who's upped his contribution, which is Mr. Matt Ford. Talented yet mouthy hooker Matt played for mm-hmm. England Colts and West Hartlepool. Lovely. Matt was chinned on his debut versus Leicester for thinking his Colts-level chops in would wash with Darren Garforth. No. It did not. It did. Absolutely not. He went on to play <laughs> rugby league a bit before a brilliant career in finance and remains one of the greatest people here on God's green earth, does Matt. Fair play, fair play. 
Uh, yeah, so thank you very much, Matt, for upping your contribution, and thank you very much, Henry. If you want a bit of that action, you can go to patreon.com slash blood and mud. Sign up for two quid a month. I mean, you know, two quid a month for all this roast dinner chat. Yeah. Extra episodes. You know, um, the chance to me- message us on the QT. Yeah. Don't have to be on Twitter. Commented on things, get ad free, ad free stuff, and you just oh, get yeah. to support us. You say, "Well, actually, we want to keep doing this, lads. Have this." So you get all that for two quid a month. Honestly, it's an absolute fucking bargain. What Thank more you. could you have? Indeed, as some people would say. Anyway. So thanks for that. And if you pay five quid, you get a bit of that as well. So thank you. You can also pay for the full, the full year. I'm going to move on now. Yeah. We begin. Do you, before we begin, do you oh. want to know what happens, what uh, Lee Robinson's career? Yeah, of course. Turned out. So started out at Plymouth Albion, which is mm-hmm. a, just a perfect place for him to start. <laughs> um, then he went to play for, uh, he ended up, then he was in the Bath, uh, Bath Academy very briefly. Then went back to Plymouth. Um, Joined Bristol, played for Bristol for quite some time, actually. I remember him playing for Bristol. Um, then when Bristol didn't get uh, promoted in uh, 2010, uh, the infamous Exeter loss, signed for Leicester. Uh, then after a brief spell, with, I think he had two years at Leicester, Wasps, then Rotherham. Um, oh no, he, went, he said that he was going to join Rotherham, but he actually went to Wasps instead, and then he retired, and then he was working as a removal man in the Leicestershire area. Well, Robinson founded big area company. to cover that, fair play. Robinson to founded respect. Robinson's Removals in Rothley, uh, but unfortunately it was wound up in April 2017 due to insolvency. Well, so there we go. What a roller coaster. To be fair, he was, you know, absolute fucking giant of a man, so... <laughs> I'm yeah. like sure he could shift low an overheads because he didn't need anybody to help move stuff. No, absolutely one man job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so there you go. Oh, yeah. before I go on to spotted, we asked a question last week, didn't we? And the question oh, we, we did, asked actually, is, yeah. who is rugby's Freddie Adu? Yes, we had so much response to this. We had quite a bit of response to this. Um, the big one that a lot of people mentioned was um, Tyrese. Oh, I've forgotten his name now. Uh, Johnson Fisher. Tyrese Johnson Fisher, he of the high school highlight reel. Yes, he's probably, although, to be fair, Freddie Adu at least played for America a few times, whereas Tyrese Johnson Fisher, I think, is he still in the game even? Because I know he came back from American football to try and make something of himself with Bristol for a couple of years, but they released him last season, I think. So, yeah. TBD, I guess. Yeah, few few shout outs for rugby's Freddie Adu is Tom Pridey, selected for Wales as a fetus. Yes. And then drifted away and randomly turns up for three games in places every two years, doesn't he? Yeah, he's at the Scarlets. He's at the Scarlets at the moment. Is he? Yeah. Because he did drift off to England for a little while and turned up. He played for Wasps. He played for what? Yeah, he was at the started at the Ospreys. Uh, Then I think he got loaned out to Wasps when he never sort of really caught on. Then he played for the Dragons for a bit, and now he's back, now he's at the Scarlets. I think. I think he might have started on the weekend actually, which is kind of his lot in life now because he's like he's tw- fucking hell he's twenty nine now. <laughs> <laughs> Told you, pick for Wales for his which debut de- as a fetus. That makes sense. Did, I mean, it's unbelievable. He's Wales's youngest ever international, isn't he? And the youngest player to ever play in the Heineken Cup. And 
Yeah, so you he, he was seventeen years, two hundred and ninety-two days when he uh, played in the Heineken Cup, and then yeah, seventeen uh, years and it doesn't say how many days he was when he played for Wales. So and he's now twenty-nine, which just makes me feel incredibly old because it feels like about five. I I would have said it was about five years since Tom Pridey made his debut, and it's clearly about twelve. Yeah, two thousand and ten. Seven Wales caps. Two tries, mind. Did score for Wales. You've got to give it to him. Yeah, uh, then somebody made a really good shout-out from back there. Dan Ireland message. And I'm going to give you kudos for this, Dan, because he suggested that rugby's Freddie Adu is Paul Sampson. Who? Paul Sampson. I remember Paul Sampson of England and Wasps. Mainly because in he won... He won the uh, 100 meter schools um, championship. Oh, I do vaguely remember this guy. Yeah. He beat Dwayne Chambers yeah, in the yeah, England yeah. schools sprint. And he was man of the match in England schools, his record 33 win against Australia in 1995. And Clive Woodward had him in a squad, I think, really, really early mm. to have a look at him. Ended up winning three caps um, against Canada and South Africa in 1998 99. But uh, he's, yeah. Yeah, and then he kind of just he just had a pretty, but he did actually have a career that but yeah then he he did like hundred and ten appearances Worcester, for Wasps Blackheath London Welsh yeah never quite married, got the word married to uh, Kirsty Gallagher of course yeah Sky Sports fame until twenty fourteen until twenty fourteen indeed when the, his, uh, the bitterness of his unfulfilled career overwhelmed him and he couldn't well, yeah. have human connection that probably to the rest of us. Yeah, so Paul Sampson's a good shout. So anyway, keep keep on keep sending them in. Rugby yeah. Freddy, I do. I feel like we could get a whole podcast out of this. Probably. Right then, let's begin the play spotted as we always begin. Now, let's. Alex Bullock gets in touch on the DMs. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a multi-layered... I'm not even sure if it is a, a player spotted, but I think it kind of is. Okay. Let me explain. Alex says, I've had two texts from a random number, one in October and another one in the last week. Right. From somebody who seems to think that I'm Wayne Barnes, says Alex. (laughs) And he screenshotted the messages, did Alex? Right. So he says, so the the text came through and it said, now is not the time to, to, to be spending two weeks at home pretending to be ill. That's obviously just apropos of nothing, but probably something else. Lunch yep. on me when recovered. I'm, tiki, I'm taking PKR for lunch at Scott's on the 4th of November if you're free to make it an appearance, question mark. Love to Polly, X. Now, we think PK... Mm-hmm. Now, da- Alex thinks that PKR might be Phil Keith Roach, the former England coach. Right. He says, responding, Alex says, sorry, I think you're out of the wrong number. I don't know, Polly, but you're more than welcome to take me for lunch, though, he responds with. <laughs> to the response, and then there was a, 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 a text after the love to Polly one, it's lol in case you don't recognise the number. Hello. So this was back in October. Alex responds with, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are, and he gets apologies and the, the, the high five emoji back. Nice. Fast forward to this week. Fucking hell. Text comes through again. Barnsey, quick one as it's a Sunday. On the tip tackle, do you sanction on outcome or intentions of tackler? Think Carl was very generous on the early tip tackle today? Question mark, question mark. (laughs) To which Alex responds with, 
Again, mate, you've got the wrong number. <laughs> For me, you should be sanctioning the action, intention, and outcome. Should an outcome should be shouldn't be relevant. But then I'm definitely not Wayne Barnes. So what do I know? Says Alex. <laughs> this I is mean, honestly I... a screenshotted text. And this it, is incredible. I to which this. point he responded, "Aha! Two laughing faces. Apologies once again." Fucking hell! So Kangol Let's Hassid. That's that's Loris Delalio, right? Yeah, Lo- Loris yeah. Delalio is 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 can is is turn his candle. He's, he's literally he's, li- he's literally acting. He's asking for mid. Was he on the? I'm trying to remember if he was. He did the Bristol game on on Sunday, because if was he asking for mid game fucking interpretation advice from I'm Barnsley? Trying to think, when did I get this? No, I got this email. Well, when did I get the text? Because the te- but Dixon being we'll come on to this later, but Dixon being soft on the tip tackle was yeah. Alex sent me this uh, yesterday. This was this is live yeah. Sunday afternoon yeah. in game, which was Sam Bedlow's yellow card, which we'll come on to <laughs> later. But yeah, so Lawrence is asking for mid-game fucking ref advice from Barnsey from Alex. Yeah, <laughs> he gave Alex. his opinion, but not Honestly, sure how authoritative he was. Alex, you fucked up there, man. You could have had so much fun with it. You this. could have kept this going for quite a long time. We could, we yeah, could. You also, you also could have fed Delalio all sorts of bollocks to say on the air. <laughs> that would have been amazing. And then you could have sent me a text of that saying, "That's what I said to him," and that's what he said afterwards. Listen, <laughs> or you could have kept it going for days and maybe gained enough trust to say, "So what happened in that Georgian uh, <gasps> house in central London where you spent some money, lol?" <laughs> <laughs> let's have a let's have a, a chat again about why you lost the England captaincy. What really Brilliant. happened there? So oh, three months fantastic. apart, and I'm assuming he's texted Barnsley in between th- those times. Probably not. Maybe. But it also that. makes me think that he hasn't got numbers saved under people's names in his phone book. He just Unless looks at a number. He, just, he, he wrote Barnsley's. Do you know what happens? He met Barnsley because Barnsley's obviously does stuff for BT, right? So but he met he met Barnsley on rugby tonight or whatever. They exchanged numbers. Loz wrote, wrote the long number down. He's never had calls to talk to him because he sees him fairly regularly in his work. You know, he's probably hasn't even sort of ever had need to text him. And then so he finally goes to text him after God knows how many years, and he realizes <laughs> shit, this is the wrong number. But because he's Lawrence Delalio, he's just too busy to change it. Yeah, it's, it, too, yeah. it's lol in case you don't recognise the number. So they're obviously not pally enough to That's accept. The this that, is the thing, yeah. yeah. Unless Lawrence has got a new phone and he's had to transfer all his numbers over oh, and yeah. it's all gone tits mm. up. Yeah, he thought he was saving it to the SIM, but he actually saved yeah. it to the phone, not the cloud oh, or the SIM. Fucking, fucking schoolboy error, you wait to see it. Yeah. Or he, he, went, he went to press the right number to transfer it to the cloud and his like massive fucking finger... Hit the wrong button. <laughs> oh, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. So, is you know, can we call that a player spotted? I think so. Yeah, hundred percent. Pl- a player's fucking shoved himself into your inbox. It's one of the most personal player spotties I've ever had. Yeah, I don't think you know that could be my second favourite player spotted that we've had this one. I think it's it so might random. be. Yeah, obviously, the all-time champion that will never be beaten is Phil Bennett signing a greasy. 100%. There's no, there's no, ever, there'll never ever, ever be any topping that. Yeah, is the best one ever. But uh, yeah, so there. Thank you very much, Alex, for sharing that with us. Screenshots yeah. and all. Indeed. And I hope I think you should just keep chatting with him, see if he responds. 
Yeah, I would have kept that going. You're a better man than I. See if he keeps on to you got... now. Just say that actually, what did you think? Well, actually, go back and say, did Barnsley agree with my analysis that I gave you, Alex? See what he comes back with. <laughs> so there you go. Play spotted. If you have a play spotted, you can DM us at Blood and Mud there. Do that. It's the easiest thing. I think the lead Blood and Mud email address has stopped working. I've said this before, but I can't work it out. So just DM me. If you're on Patreon, <laughs> you can do it by the messaging, obviously. Don't DM Josh. He's not interested. No, really not. So there you go. Play spotted. Thank you. So do we have some news, Josh? Oh, my God. There's do so we much have news. some news? News is just... Over, I'm overflowing with news. Um, the big news, I guess, uh, is that it looks very likely that if we have a Lions tour this year, it's going to be a Lions tour in the UK, which, eh. Yeah, we've I rehashed mean, all this, can't we? I mean, Australia yeah. Well, according to the, according to the Daily Mail, now the Lions have officially asked the government to underwrite the losses for a home based tour in case of any more COVID related shit. Um. And there's also been some rumours that they'd provisionally already booked at least Twickenham and the Principality Stadium. Um, Ireland is still TBD, from what I understand. Um, and obviously we know that they were already playing in Murrayfield against Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it'll be a home-based tour. I mean, it's not a great look for the Lions to be asking the government to basically underwrite the fucking Lions tour, is it? Unless... Let's not beat around the bush here. It's kind. Of, I know rugby's broke, but do, why do would I the really government say yes? That's interesting. Well, actually, no. Sorry, we know why they will say yes because that is the game of the places where they all went to school. Yes, and also but... because it's good for the government. It's a sort of getting Britain back to on its feet thing, isn't it? It's like oh, we can have a Lions tour with people with fans in the stadium, and people will feel good about sport again. But you got to cover us if it all goes tits up again. Imagine how much those tickets are going to be, by the way. You don't even have to travel. Well, this is the thing. Like, short of my plan for a, a, an artificial iceberg rugby island, as, as discussed in passing pods, um, I'm not really sure what the alternative was. You know, it was could never be in South Africa with nope. fans. Um, and they'll have 10... It looks like they'll be able to have, you know, presuming nothing else goes wrong, they'll be able to have 10,000 fans in each of the stadiums, mm. which is, you know, fans in the stadium again full stop I think 10,000 fans making noise after the past 18 months will sound like a fucking Man of War gig. Yeah. <laughs> it's going yeah, to be like going to watch Dinosaur Jr., isn't it? It's just going to make <laughs> everyone's faces melt. And that will be... The, the vast majority... The problem is that the vast majority of those fucking people in those stadiums will be people there on corporate hospitality. That's because the thing, that, isn't it? Yeah. That is the prime... You know, the reason why they desperately want fans in there is because, you know, people like fucking, you know, whoever the fuck is sponsoring the Lions now, fucking DHL, I assume, and all these other big, you know, ridiculous partners. You know, they've got a gin... You know, they've got a gin partner now. Have they? they like Wrexham a... FC have got a gym partner now. <laughs> yeah. Of... Yeah, but somehow Wrexham's one is some is kind of more understandable. Whereas I don't know <laughs> why the Lions need a gym. They they signed a Chase Distillery to become well, the official the official if gin. The last few years has taught us anything that gin needs to go with everything at all times. I don't Indeed. know why. 
And it's I hope bizarre, this comes. This happened in the nineties with vodka and it went away. So I'm just holding out for the time that it'll go away. All this fucking gin nonsense. <laughs> um, but yes, I don't think that Vodafone, DHL, Famous Grouse, Chase, Gin, or whatever the fuck they are, and all their other. I'm loving how partners. I'm loving how low rent that whiskey is. By the way, I know. You <laughs> <laughs> think you'd have something like smart, like Island Park or some kind of yeah? Famous Grouse was a weird choice because it's. Well, I'm well, sure they're willing to pay quite a bit, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just not a good whiskey. Straight up, guys, it's not That's a good a, whiskey. That, that is a mixing whiskey and a mixing Fucking whiskey right only. It is. Um, but yeah, these people are, you know, have paid so that they can take their corporate buddies to Lions matches and hobnob. And so the vast majority of that 10,000 is going to be... I remember at the Rugby World Cup in 2015, I was seated in the... I blagged some tickets to that. Wales England game and was seated in the DHL section mm-hmm. um, with a bunch of people, most of whom had never even watched a game of rugby before. Beautiful. Um, but they just worked for DHL and DHL, one of the premium partners of the World Cup. And so they literally had, you know, like when you see those sort of seating sections in Twickenham, like, you know, mm. stairs on either side, gap, gap. One yes. of those whole sections, so you know, probably in excess of a thousand people, was all just DHL employees, and that's the sort of clout that they would have been expecting, you know, in terms of. I went to um, in a completely opposite end of a rugby glamour stake. Mm. I went to watch Wales versus the USA in the Rugby League World Cup at Wrexham's ground. Lovely. Back in. Whatever it was, I want to say two thousand, sometime in the two thousands. Anyway, mm. um, and there were two lads sat behind. It was me and the wife and the kids because we got like obviously we got me and the wife and the kids got to go for like eight quid or something all in. A couple of lads sat behind me all the way through talking about everything that wasn't rugby. Mm-hmm. Slightly posh voices talking about what Pongo had done at the weekend and all that kind of lovely. Stuff. And then he was there, and Pongo said that no, we weren't going to go that way. And I was like, I'm going to fucking chin these cons. Like, <laughs> and then, second half, 10 minutes in, one of them, the Pongo describer, says, says So, um, is this rugby league or rugby union? Fuck and I was like, so Oh my nice. God, I'm going to rip this seat out of this fucking floor and ram it up your arse. <laughs> oh, I was fuming. Ruined everything about my enjoyment of that game. Anyway, yeah, so, but I suppose where we're up to is, is there's a lot of compromise that's been made, hasn't there, in this pandemic. I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like cliche, but actually, when you're down between, does it not go ahead at all, or does it go ahead looking like this? I'm firmly in the, I'd rather it went ahead camp. Me too. I, if the, you know, there was no, you know, the, Aust- the Australia and Dubai plans were always stupid. And Dubai's a basket case country. Yeah. Australia's very case. close to being a basket yeah. case country. <laughs> it's so, royal. I mean, we're a basket case country. I mean, yeah, so, I mean, we but, are yeah. teetering on yeah. the brink. Yeah. But, you know, they were both quite fanciful and silly. And this is just, you know... My main con- sort of interest slash concern... Like, as far as... It's three test series between the Lions and South Africa played in front of fans. I was not expecting that to happen in 2021. I think that's what you've got to think about what the alternative could have been, isn't it? Which is yeah. nothing. Yeah, which could well have been the end of the Lions. And it'll be odd. And some people are saying, oh, it'll just be a fucking scratch team with no preparation. Does it really matter? 
We're all well, talking about what a wonderful a team. What a wonderful anachronism this whole thing is anyway. So let's just fucking roll with it. Yeah, well, it will be interesting to see what happens with the dirt trackers and such and warm-ups and the squad size in general because obviously it's not going to be hard to call up replacements. No. Given you wonder if Gatlin will have a very big initial squad <laughs> that he then cuts you know down to. I would love to happen. It's if they get a load of injuries in the last week on a third test and Gatlin calls up a load of second string Welsh players. It'd even though they could, even though really... we're in Britain, so he hasn't even got the excuse of the geography thing. He just calls up. Really he calls up. He calls up Shane Williams again. He calls up Shane Williams. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. He calls up Shane Williams, James Botham, <laughs> and Dan, Dan Lydiot, who's just running again after his ACL <laughs> But no, you do wonder, like, because obviously there won't be provincial games to play, but. The Rainbow Cup is apparently still happening, right? With the pro, you know, all the South African teams coming over to play the Pro Fourteen teams. Um, so, given that that's sort of going to wind up at the sort of mid-May, beginning of June time, why not keep a couple of those guys, you know, to hang around to do to be proper warm-up games, you know, so they can still play the Sharks. Or the Blue Bulls, or the Stormers, or whatever, but they're just playing them in Britain. You know, play them at Welford Road, play them at Ashton Gate, play them at fucking the Liberty. The problem is with the Lions, right? Is that we all get a bit, oh, I'm not sure that's right, and the tour's not off, and I like you, the manager, and I don't like the squad, or I do like this. And, and actually, then the first footage of them all training together comes out, and you forget all that and go, isn't this fucking great? Same, absolutely. Unless, unless the same. Scottish, obviously. Yeah. And but even time, then, you know, it could be a better offering for the Scots this time. It will be this time, without a doubt. But the only thing is, like, if we do basically have the Japan warm-up game and then three-test series and that's all the Lions we get, if they somehow win the Tour, or the Tour at least goes well and is competitive, you do wonder... How that's going to impact future tours with the global season chat and all yeah. that? If, if yeah. Gatland proves that the Lions can be be successful without having to have a three month tour with like fifteen games in it, I know it's yeah. not that long anymore. The it's unions like 10. and everybody else will be like, "Well, we don't need that anymore, do we? You can just yeah. treat it as a normal summer tour. We can maybe squeeze in yeah. another one as well." Yeah, It'll, it could change the the impact the the future of the Lions quite dramatically. But I'm with you. Like if. If it means the Lions can go ahead, if it means that we can watch the Lions play in South, you know, against the world champions, even if it's at home, even if it's not what we all, you know, think a Lions tour should be, there's a fucking pandemic on, you know, it's it's the ultimate fucking get out at the moment, but it's true, yeah. uh, and also if anybody wants to get me a ticket to the third test, uh, I will. Gladly take it. Whoever. Indeed. Just putting it out there. Anybody I don't know who you know. would. I mean, obviously, but, uh, we, we get a lot of highly connected yeah, listeners on this yeah, pod. That's yeah, the kind of if pod you, we If have. you happen to work for Vodafone or DHL or, or Canterbury or How many or tickets will David Telecom be getting? That's what I want to know. <laughs> this is what we need to know, yeah. David Coms, get, hook us up. We know you're going to get some tickets. I mean, they must work with Vodafone, right? They must do. 
They'll have an entire Surely. thousand seat section. They'll have a, they'll like have a DHL. Because <laughs> I mean, they must have yeah. that many employees to they must every them. corner of the land. <laughs> uh, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. So, yeah, so it looks like if it's going to happen, that's what it's going to be. And we should all just embrace it, I think. It's not fucking I think so. that's my it. thought. I genuinely think I'd rather just embrace it than be cynical about it now because. There's plenty it's to, you know, fucking... there's the squad selection to be cynical about. Save oh, yeah. your energy for that. Keep your fucking miserable powder dry for that, everybody. Yeah. So. We're like, we're less than a month away now from being able to talk about the Lions squad That's without true. it being premature, which is quite exciting. I think we should have a little sort of celebratory podcast, maybe for the patrons, where we actually pick our Lions squad. After the Six Nations finishes. After the Six Nations finishes, oh, that's it's yeah. Allowed. Yeah. yeah. We could have like we could get some cake or something. I don't know. <laughs> could get some cake. Hey, speaking of cake, I yeah. found out about gender reveal parties this week. <laughs> How did you miss that with well, the whole and, Josh and Adams sorry, thing? I knew they were a thing, and I yeah. know they've been a developing thing, but I didn't mm-hmm. quite know how they hung together. One for I mean, a start. I, when I first saw it, I thought it was something to do with trans. Oh right, yeah. I yeah. thought it was somebody coming out and saying, "I'm a, I'm a lady now, whatever," or which is, which I understood yeah. to be honest. I yeah, thought, yeah that's, which makes that's sense. Quite a momentous <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. If you want to come out to your family and friends as, and all this stuff or whatever, do it in a party. Then it wasn't, and I no. thought, okay, so it's a baby thing, fine. But I didn't realise is, is that is that even the parents don't know. Did you Presum- know this? Presumably, the parents, one of them's got to know. Otherwise, no. how the fuck? Because you go and have the scan, and right. I think this is done via a private hospital. I imagine you have the scan. And the sex right. of the baby is sent to the cake shop. Fucking hellfire. And the cake shop make the cake without a blue or pink inside it, which is really gender-norming, by the way. Oh, awful, awful. I hate everything <laughs> about it. Continue. <laughs> We're too woke to tolerate that. It should be brown <laughs> and uh, cerise. Uh, the, uh... It's just a picture of a penis or a picture of a vagina. That's all we need to know. <laughs> yeah, so they make the cake, and then you, the cake gets brought to the party... I hope they've got some good stock control, by the way. Tell you what. Comes to the party, you're cutting the cake, and everybody finds out at the same time. Everyone cries. It's a wonderful story, and that's the kind of end of it. But, yeah, so somebody in work had one, which is, they had a wonderful time, and it was lovely for them, but mind blown. Because I'm sure you can't go to fucking the NHS and say, can you send this to a cake show? <laughs> Are you fucking joking, pal? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I'm not taking me PPA off to type that in. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so, yeah. But a lot of these private scan clinics are getting a load of shit because they're not actually picking up um, conditions and birth defects they're finding. They're just printing yeah. off 3D pictures and sending people on their way. Oh, well, I mean, that's not very good, is it? CQC are all over it, apparently. Oof. Anyway, after you don't listen, don't know what the CQC is. I'm going into work no. chat. Care Quality Ooh, Commission who inspects hello. all these places. Anyway, so what are we talking about then? Gender reveals, why? Uh, gender reveals parties, don't know. All right. I think it was just it. I think it, there's More a lot news. of lot of rugby chat is sort of quite tangential to gender reveal parties at the moment. So you know. Uh, More news. France is a leper colony now. It would seem. Yeah, I mean they've got ten players now. They've had 24 that. hours without any more positive tests. So that's no. good news, isn't it? Which is good news, but again, as I've said before, you know, it's five to seven days after you get infected, before tests start happening. So there's, it's entirely possible that there's a fuckload of French players who are just 
not yet covidy the fuck out of yeah, it. Yeah, and not yet covidy enough to test positive <laughs> that will do at any moment. Probably that's what even. it said on my uh, test result when I got it. By the way, yeah, not yet yeah. covidy enough. Yes, fair enough. <laughs> um, the main problem with all this is that the Six Nations did not have a contingency plan here, which, I mean, there hasn't been a single rugby competition in Europe that hasn't been affected by a COVID outbreak at some point. Like, not a single one. Fiji lost most of the Autumn Nations Cup to it, as we all remember. Sale lost the top four place in the Premiership because of it, and they've cancelled a load of... They've rescheduled a load of games. We lost the entire fucking back half of the European Cup pool stages because of it. And the Pro 14 have obviously had multiple games postponed because of it as well. And so the fact that the Six Nations, at the start of this tournament, just went, well, we'll just we'll play it by ear, lads. Let's see how it goes. Is, this, is elite, this is elite level isolated. This is yeah. elite level bubble. There's no problem with this. But I think, you know, this leaves us with the fucking shit show of the last week and the last 24 hours. On the one hand, you've got fucking Mark Dodson limbering up to get on the blower to the lawyers again. Which you can tell he's just absolutely desperate to do. I've got the, some sympathy with him on this one. Oh, though, me too. I've, I've, I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got, I mean, I've got sympathy sim- with everybody. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, when he tried to sue the weather. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but I have got a lot of sympathy with this one. They shouldn't yeah. be fucking compromised after going to problematic player release agreements for next week, just because. No, but then at the same time, the French are pointing fingers at the at Irish journalists being typhoid Marys and going, "Look, we were fucking fine, and then we went to Dublin, and then we came back, and we were riddled with it." <laughs> oh, that old fucking trope, is it? Blame the Irish. <laughs> you know, ultimately, and then you know. Whatever happens, you've got everyone else in the tournament raising an eyebrow at the prospect of the defining game in this year's tournament being decided in a way that puts a massive fucking asterisk on whoever wins it this year. And how did they not see this coming? That was always the dust thing. How did they not see this coming? Actually, have a a, a bye week, I suppose. They kind of follow a week with an an, an extra agreement with clubs to still release players, which they would not have got. No, they probably wouldn't have, but they could have at least gone, you know, like the Autumn Nations Cup had some fucking rules in play to determine what happened if a team got COVID riddled. And that thing was and that thing was drawn up on a fag packet in fifteen minutes to rinse some cash out of Amazon. How come the world's oldest fucking championship <laughs> That is a good point. Like half the France squad and management will be out of this Scotland game because of COVID now. Like and that is, you know, on Monday night, fucking God knows, oh, Tuesday night, sorry, God knows how many there'll be by Friday. Scotland, understandably, are very keen to play this game this weekend regardless, or either to get a fucking win via forfeit, thank you very much, because let's face it, they were not banking on winning that game against the full-strength France in Paris, and you can blame them. But everybody else in that tournament is then entitled to go, hang on, Scotland might win this tournament on a technicality that nobody's agreed on beforehand. And before you know it, the fucking RFU and the WIU are speed dialing their lawyers as well. It's just... You know what? I I hope that Scotland win the tournament based on a forfeit that's a total clusterfuck (laughs) without any plan. And I I want that to happen. And then I implore every Scottish fan to embrace the fuck out of it. Yeah, yeah. Turn full heel, guys. Not be ashamed of it. Turn Put it on T-shirts, wind everyone up about it. This is what we live for. Yeah, because this is the thing. That, as you say, there's no fucking alternative. They can't play it next week because they'd have to get 
fucking player agreements with the top 14 and Premier, uh, Premiership <laughs> Rugby. Oh, Good so I, fucking I, luck, sunshine. I, I guffawed so much of that because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> idea. You can't play it in June because now there's going to be a Lions tour. They can, they'd have to put it back to the autumn, which fucking hell. Like, the best thing that could genuinely... probably the, the, They're probably sitting there in Six Nations HQ praying to fucking God that A, the match goes ahead... And whatever cobbled together fucking France team somehow just wins. Because anything else is going to be a fucking shit show that they would, nobody, I think, wants to deal with. But this is where we are. Because four weeks ago, or five weeks ago, whenever the Six Nations started, they didn't think to have any fucking procedures in place in case of COVID. I mean, fuck me. <laughs> what? Well, that's just what you say. Well, you want a yeah. vaccine now. Don't make any plans. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's so fucking mad. Um, uh, so yeah, know, yeah um, we we will see. Yeah, uh, who knows what will happen? They're having a, the uh, they're having a big meeting on Wednesday, aren't they? The decision is tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So we shall fucking see. Either way, I think somebody's going to end up in court. <laughs> Somebody somewhere will be saying, I'll see you in court at some point this week. Uh, yeah, okay, more news. Um, there's apparently a plan afoot uh, to bring everybody's favourite second team, El Haguarez, into the Pro 14 based in Spain. Yes, please, thank you. I mean, it's basically the exact idea that we've had on this podcast on more than one occasion. The only difference is um, they're basing him in Bilbao, not San Sebastian. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know So, that. effectively, we were <laughs> about 18 miles out in our plan. <laughs> uh, it's proof that we should be in charge of everything to do with rugby, I think. Cause, uh, well, and it's just obvious. Well, they're obviously listening. So, yeah. you know, while we're on, can we just mention it again? All-star game. All-star fucking game. Um <laughs> Honestly, though, anything that gets Hagiwado back into the rugby world, uh, I will support it unreservedly. I don't care if it turns it into a Pro 19 or a Pro 17 or whatever the fuck it's going to be from next season. And they're going to have numbers that don't add up. I'm loving that they've just taken over from Super Rugby and rugby in there, yeah, basically. We'll have everyone. Manifest destiny, ever-expanding <laughs> Lebensraum. Of uh, rugby that they'll just keep going outside with. Lebensraum <laughs> of rugby is a perfect way to describe the Pro 14. <laughs> but um, they will end up yeah. in the sea of tranquility within three years. Basically. But why the fuck not? Like, if they're gonna get invite every fucker in, just fucking do it. Like, the main reason that everybody always criticizes the Pro 14, right, is well, there's no relegation, so there's no peril. So what you need is to get enough teams. They only need one more team now, and they'll have a 20-team. You want peril? Team. Try flying to the fucking moon to play a game of rugby. Because <laughs> it's coming. Try sailing around the Cape of Good Hope to get to. <laughs> On an iceberg. <laughs> On an iceberg. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've nearly got to All they need is to find one more team, which, let's face it, could just be a Georgian team. Why not? Might as well. Why not? Fuck it. And then... They've got 20 teams, two 10-team leagues, promotion and relegation from them. And all of a sudden, as the Premiership ring fences itself, you've got yourself the peril of relegation to offer broadcasters. You know, it's a no-fucking-brainer. Just do it. Yeah, I can't see... I mean, you know, I don't think that needs any further analysis. 
No, no problems just, whatsoever. Just, a, just, just a it straight up good idea. Stuck yeah. it out there. What about away fans, though, Josh? Have you thought about that? What no, about the four people who'd like to travel have, abroad to see it? Rugby doesn't that. have away fans. Come off it. Yeah, well, not well. It won't have when you go to the. When, have you seen how much going to the moon's got a charge for fucking Virgin <laughs> Intergalactic, whatever it is? Hasn't that blown up now? Hasn't he given up that up as a bad job? No, he hired somebody yesterday. To, Did he? Yeah, to work on the user, like the sort of guest experience. He used to work for Disney. I Danny saw. Powell? No. <laughs> Nobody should, Tell work, you what. nobody should have Andy Powell working on any experiences say, of any kind. If, if, there's, if anything's been proof that Andy Powell should probably just stick to doing whatever it is in his day job right now. Andy Powell on Twitter is just not a good place to be. <laughs> it's just not good. Yeah, so it makes sense though, doesn't it? The players yeah. be based here anyway. It means Argentina can be good for, well, who knows? Well, the main reason that... The, the, the whole Haguaris thing didn't particularly work out in Super Rugby was because of the comical level of air miles. Oh, yeah. Like, the Haguaris team was very good. They made it to a Super Rugby final. But by the time that they'd finished a Super Rugby season, they'd done about 7 million fucking air miles, didn't know what time zone they were in, and so the Pumas the team... The Haguaris squad had a five-day week. There were, there were two Tuesdays and two Thursdays <laughs> in every one of their weeks because of the international time zone shit they were doing. Yeah, and by the end of you know, by the time it came to the international part of the season, they were fucking knackered and didn't know what day it was, what continent it was, which way was up or down, and no wonder Argentina went to shit. If they're based in Bilbao and they've just got to fly down to South Africa occasionally or fly over to Italy or to Ireland or Britain, that's not very far. You know, some it's like people, five hours. Some people may have been to Bilbao for the European weekend when it was on. If you haven't, those of you who have, appreciate your thoughts, but if you haven't, let me tell you, what a fucking town to have a weekend away in Bilbao is, by the way. It's not the most beautiful place in the world, but it's it reminds me a bit of Newcastle. And I mean that in a really good way. <laughs> Continue. Well, it's an yeah. interesting place to look at. They're a little bit like, yeah, this is who we are, and if you don't like it, you can fuck off. And we've got loads of bars, and the food's great. Most it's, got, Spanish, it's got something yeah. about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, most sort of cities in you know I'm going to call it a Spanish city, but I, I'm aware it is in yes, I you know, it is a Basque area. But you know, um, you know they they just go fuck it. We're going to have some really cool old shit and some really cool new shit and a load of fucking bars and places to do things and a load of fun outside space. Enjoy lovely old town. And, it's so a little bit yeah. rough around the edges. I like that. You see, I don't like too clean yeah. a place. Have they got a Guggenheim? In they have got a Guggenheim. Yeah, yeah. See, that's worth a walk around, isn't it? Yeah. They've got a tram that obviously Hello. the local government paid for, and we said let's get the tram to go to the other end of town. We might have been going to the Guggenheim where we were staying actually, and we had the kids with us, and we stood there, and I said, and it said, and it was ten in the morning. They said the next tram was at half past two, and I was like. <laughs> I said, that must be a fucking mistake. You know, on the computer screen thing, next drama, the next speaker mm. base, I was like, hang on. So then I looked at the timetable. It starts at half past two, the Bilbao tram, and it finishes at something like about half past eight. Yeah. And there's literally about four trams that run. It's right. one of those classic, like, you know, civic projects that probably yeah. cost a fucking we need a tram. We need a tram, but we can only afford to build it. We can't afford to run it. Or somebody's grafting this contract good style, so we'll build it. <laughs> but I just feel, I mean, the unluckiest person in the world is the bloke who gets run over by a Bilbao tram. Because they're just... just <laughs> what was, are the odds? Yeah, what are the odds? 
Um, yeah, so brilliant place though. It makes it sound like it isn't. It's a love. If you like your cities as like proper cities with not too much fanfare about it, not too touristy, it's a fucking great place to go. If you fancy something a bit flashy, just get the bus to San Sebastian where it's a bit more highbrow. Indeed. So more yeah, news. I think we're we're all excited about that. Um, the Rugby World Cup is getting longer. Um, Yes, oh, it will the, be. The rest, ex- yeah. Yes, it will be extended from 2023, meaning that all teams will have at least five days rest between games. And Fiji squads. will have to play four games in seven days, or whatever. That yeah, means. yeah, uh, and also that squads are also going to be larger for the next World Cup as well, which is going to obviously help with the rotation and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, oh, 2023. Do you think we'll just be travelling normally then? Surely you will. I really hope so, man. Fuck you now. It's been a year now, hasn't it, pretty much? Yeah, it's been pretty much a year. No, actually, no, I, I can tell you, because I know the exact meeting I was sat in when we <laughs> truly realised the horror of what was coming. And it was on the 16th of March last year. We'd seen the Italy stuff, but we had a workman on the 16th of March, and it was like, oh. When we got issued on oh. government <laughs> guidance about how, oh, right, okay. Anyway. Yes. Any more news? Um, I mean, I'm sure there is more news. Johnny Sexton is making oh, fuck. Yeah. Johnny Sexton is making kissy faces at retirement, but in a bashful way. He's not coming out fully on it. Yeah, he said uh, he's he's possibly not. You know, he might not be around for the full for the 20, cycle. He said didn't for he? the twenty for the twenty twenty three World Cup, which is a lot like me saying that I might not play Glastonbury next year. <laughs> it's like. We we know Johnny. You'll be thirty eight at the next World Cup, and you've been fucking banjoed for two years. And when you are fit, you're frankly a bit shit now. You're frankly really shit now. <laughs> really shit. You you're so shit now that Billy Burns looks like a better option at ten on an international stage than you do, mate. It's time to fucking knock it yes. on the head. So I think he's finally... Well, maybe he's always been accepting the fact that he won't make it, but I get the feeling he's just starting to realise. Plus, he probably well, is actually really sore a lot of the yeah. time. Well, he was talking... You know, even a month or two ago, he was talking a fucking good game about playing until he was 40. Didn't say what he'd be playing, though, did he? No, exactly. Play, playing the fucking fool is what he <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yes. Nobody fully says that you're playing the fool anymore, do they? No. It's a great term. Or larking about. You don't hear that anymore, either. Yeah, no, you're larking about. That comes from skylarking about, which is even better. That 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 is good. That's great. Uh, Right. That's probably it for the news, is it? I mean, surely there can't be any more news. There probably is, but we just haven't looked it up. Yeah. So that is the news. Yes. Niall lives on a hill, a very steep hill which is great for the calf muscles. But when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbours' pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about. And from only €45 per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry. Be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See Dacia.ie. Pick up your phone while driving. And you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit, and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car, and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? 
Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Shall we talk about... It is the Six Nations, Josh, this weekend. It is. So shall we talk about... Well, assuming all the games go ahead... Shall we have a bit of prediction of what, how we think it's going to go? Yes, we probably should, shouldn't we? With a, and if you want to get involved in the prediction game, we are uh, our friends at whoknowswins.com. You can get on the app there. Indeed. And put your money where your mates are. It's a good thing. No complicated odds. You just pay an entry fee each week of a fiver. Yeah. Pick the win. If you win, if you pick them all right, you, part, you get a cut of the winning pot. Simple as that. Yeah. No complicated and, uh, odds. Yeah, no fucking about with any of that sort of trying to understand decimal odds. We've talked about this before. But no God spread damn. betting. I have no, no desire betting. to know what an under and over is. <laughs> Sounds like filth to me. It does. Or something uh, that CrossFitters do. Yeah, it's basically just like having a you know having a pool with your mates, isn't it? Basically, yes. Yeah. So you yeah. shook some money in the pot. If you guess everything right, you can take the piss out of your mates who got it wrong, and you can take a cut of the winnings. Can't What's bet. not to like about that? Indeed. So who knows wins.com if you fancy having a bit of that. And we're in the league as well, as is Paul we Williams and a few other people. So I'm doing terribly. I've got at least one wrong every week. Good. So you know I mean I assume I have because I've yet to back Wales. So Well we're doing it together, aren't we? We I have to go with what we're saying. So <laughs> So what do we think we're gonna go for this week, Josh, in our who knows wins.com pool? We got, Indeed. Should we go chronologically? As we, we probably like should, do? shouldn't we? Yeah. Uh, Ireland versus Italy. Now, could we? Is it Italy? Is it in Rome? I think it is. It's in, in Rome. Rome. Could this be a win for Italy? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to open up a discussion, ladies and gentlemen, and Josh has slammed the door <laughs> in my face. I don't know. Maybe because Ireland are playing fucking wretchedly at the moment, but. You know, they will have most of the players who've been injured or suspended back. Um, and, you know, James Ryan makes a massive difference for them. Let's not beat you around the bush. He does, actually. Yeah. Um, and they've defended, you know, even against France, they defended very well. And Italy don't defend very well. And I just think, in the same way that sort of Ireland are, in the same way that England just. A set up to bully Italy. I feel like this island team are sort of set up to do it the same. They'll just they'll beat them physically, and then James Lowe will probably score a hat trick. It's got that true. vibe. It's got I, that vibe. I imagine that Farrell Ryan will be back, and I think he might drop Kelleher in, Kelleher in at hooker for this one. Yeah, and I think that will make a difference. That kind of all action sort of game, and like you said, James Lowe just running of. Only we'll, be, only we'll be tempted to put Maury on the wing just to match him for size, if nothing else. Yeah, somebody's going to have to, aren't they? And I just think Italy will probably score a couple of tries, but I just think Ireland will have a bit too much. Ireland by will. 15, I yeah. think. Yeah, we tried to see if Italy could do something. I just I can't believe it. It'd be fucking hilarious if they did. Let's not, let's not you know, make any mistake about that. Hmm. Then Saturday afternoon... <sighs> We've got uh, the big one. Are you feeling ex- Wales versus England in Cardiff? Are you feeling excited about this, Josh? 
I'm I'm just so weirdly detached from the Six Nations. I I'm not really excited. I'm not really like usually this is the worst week of the fucking year for me because it's horrible. And I mean, don't get me wrong, the game will be horrible. It will be absolutely dreadful. But <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like there's Wales just can't keep getting lucky all the time can they you know Wales can't play 14 men again for a third week running surely and I can't so I, see it no I mean you talk about so, you talk about complicated under over odds I think that's a <laughs> you talk about asterisks imagine fucking winning a grand slam without ever playing 15 men for 80 minutes um I just I think Wales as much as they've shown some progress in the last couple of weeks um, are nowhere near as good as their record suggests. I don't think England are quite as bad as people have made them out to be either. They're not very good. but No, they are just... entirely middling and uninspiring, but they're not yeah, playing awfully. I think, I think they'll just have it a little bit too much. Like England by maybe four or five. Just do superior game management, I reckon, which is the one thing that Wales haven't done very well. It'll be interesting to see the teams because... I'm assuming will. Sheedy will start, will he? Well, this is the question. Do you let Sheedy continue his, you know, excellent form for club and country in, you know, in many ways? Like, Wales have won two games in this tournament. If they beat Italy away, that's they've won three games. That would have been considered, you know, certainly after the autumn. That's a, a, a successful Six Nations as far as Wales are concerned, I think. So I don't really, you know, this well, game and the game... players back this week, though, aren't they, as well? Yeah, but Wales, are, aside from Thomas Williams and Dan Lydia, Wales are basically fit now. You know, there's huge dilemmas about who they pick in the centre because, you know, do you, do you drop Jonathan Davis back in after sort of such a long time out and, you know, not particularly looking very good and in the autumn at a yeah. test level. You know, there's a lot of, there's some big decisions to put back to be made, but in many ways, I just think, well, fucking, why not just roll the dice and have a go? I like, think he's going to stick with George North, by the way. I think he I think likes George I, North at 13. It's too consistent a pick too. now for it not to be a thing he's going with. I think it probably is. But yeah, you know, you can't argue with the probable back three of Liam Williams, uh, Reece Samet and the... Free, freshly unsuspended Josh Adams. Oh, was he unsuspended? A, is he he's back? Unsuspe- is he? He's back, yeah. He served his two games on the naughty step. So, um, form wise, that's as good a back three as you get. Well, form and if you mix it as a mixture of form and ability, that's as good a back three as you'll find. Anyway. It's not bad, is it? Um, yeah, you know, why not? You know, I, if I was Wayne Pivot, I'd just be tempted to go, nobody's really gonna fucking beat me over the head with this if we lose to England even at home so you know why you know why would you stick with Dan Bigger and sort of and play it safe when you could actually try something a little bit more progressive that's supposedly in line with what his selection you know with his, his philosophy and just try and you know try and try something a bit different I th- I'd give because England aren't going to. <laughs> no, and I'd give Shidi go because I think Shidi could do a kicking game that England might struggle with. I think you're right. 
I think that could be the thing that would make some of the difference. Because I think if in terms of pure power, and I know it's a a fucking trite thing to say about England, but... It's true, though. But that's what he's doing as well. You know, he's was in the back row last week. Do you know what I mean? He's not yeah. He's not being subtle about this. Eddie Jones is entirely playing a power game because that's the only thing that he can do with Far- if he persists with Farrell at 10. I think he'll probably go forward Farrell because I he usually so, yeah. does when it comes to Wales. Um, and yeah, who knows? You know, let's... Yeah, I, I much... Dan Bigger is not going to ask any questions that England won't have answered, you know, had answers to... Mm several times over the last couple of years. You know, they haven't beaten England in, is it like two or three years now? It's like four or five matches they've not beaten England for. So they know how to beat England playing like, you know, they know how to play Wales playing like how Wales play when Dan Biggis at 10. So why not give them something different to think about? Yeah. I think it could be, I think a combination of Sheedy's Kicking game and the fact that I think if North's fit again, I think they'll, if he, assuming England go with Ford, I think Pivak's got enough of, he's shown enough of what he's trying to do with that back line to get people like Reese Samet and North running down Ford's channel quite a bit. Yeah. And I think that might make something of a difference. But I do wonder how much Wales can stop people from scoring. Yeah, big style. I'm not the defence. I think has just got has bailed itself out on quite a few occasions, and England tend to be quite. Clinical. I mean, they were great in that last twenty minutes against Scotland, but against fourteen men, and you know, and they still very nearly fucked it up right at the end. Yeah, they did. That's true. I think it's re- it's really hard to call this one. I think it's going to be a tight, if, if, be a tight game. Asked, I think if you'd have asked us three weeks ago. Would have said England are winning this by fifteen or something, wouldn't we? Yeah, easy. Now I think it's going to be a score or two. Yeah, you know. Maximum. But you're saying England? England by four, I'd say. I'll go with that. Yeah. All right. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not that, but I will go with that. If we have to. Yeah, it's 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 one of those ones that an absolute coin flip for me. And then Sunday, some Frenchman versus Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? A random selection yeah. of French people. It entirely, yeah. It entirely depends who to, you know, it, quite literally, which French team turns up. <laughs> yes. You know, but yeah, not not. <laughs> not not in a not in a form sense. Purely on literally, which fifteen French people turn yes. up? Welcome. And what level? To, what level of rugby they've been playing at recently? To Paris, where nobody has heard of at least three other people in the blue shirts today. <laughs> well, it'll be white shirts actually, won't it? But, uh, yeah, uh, I think Scotland by f- five. I think Scotland are going to win this. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, I know I hate to be this guy, but Scott France have got a big playing pool, and none of them are untalented. True. However, the way Scotland have been playing, and that you know that loss against Wales aside, still wasn't a bad performance, and we're still no. enough in it to demonstrate they know what they're doing. I think they should be Scotland all the way, really. I'd have been tempted to think they might have been able to do it with a full strength Well, given how, team, how, so. how meh France were against Ireland, particularly in that second half, and how sort of... They'd, the thing is, France won that game because they defended very well. And the problem that you have with a huge number of changes that France are inevitably and invariably going to have is that if you've got 15 blokes who aren't used to playing next to each other, 
defense is so much harder because the communication and the understanding and all mm-hmm. of that sort of stuff mm-hmm. doesn't work together. So that I think is, is what tips it for me. I, I thoroughly think that France will be able to put 15 men on the field or 23 men on the field oh. on on the there's weekend no, who are no capable of scoring tries and hurting yeah. people because, you know, the players that they've called in, you go, oh, fucking hell, he wasn't in the squad, was he? <laughs> you know, it's... But, you know, Tom Ramos, for example. Yeah, so like, did. He was obviously about <laughs> eighth, was eighth was, taxi yeah. off the rank now. Yeah. But was but was for, yeah, it's shit hot. You know, they will absolutely was be on able the bench to... in the autumn covering fullback and a 10. Yeah. And that was like eighth <laughs> choice, it would seem. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think that France will still be able to hurt Scotland and score tries, but I just I don't have as much faith in France's defence, which is the thing that has you know elevated them in the last twelve months. Fiku's COVID free though; he can still maybe yeah. knit it all together. <laughs> He'll probably be playing on the fucking wing though, won't he? <laughs> yes, he will. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we think Scotland for that one, don't we? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So that's predictions. Let's hope, well, I really hope the game goes ahead. There's no reason why that game shouldn't go ahead. France can put a fucking team out from that league. Regardless of how many people they Surely. Um, One thing I am genuinely, A, Baptiste Saran starting. It's always a pleasure. Beautiful. You know. He plays Um, kicking as well. uh, Also, flipping Donovan Taufifinua is one of only three wings in the squad at the moment. And anybody who's watched him for racing, oof, oof. Yeah, oof. So you see, just embrace it, everybody. Stop getting exactly. worried about who's tested and who hasn't and the game's going to happen. The game is going ahead and there's going to be a really fucking entertaining display put on. Neither the not. Yeah. Just fucking roll with it, man. We can't go out. What else <laughs> no, you know? Just whatever game gets put on, just watch it and watch enjoy it. Just watch it, man. it yeah. And I know we're ones to say we moan about fucking everything. Oh, yeah. We do that because we enjoy doing it. Because actually, we love all this shit. So you know, indeed. So that was the prediction. So shall we talk about what happened this this previous weekend, Josh? Other I mean, than discovering about your antipathy towards Sunday roasts, obviously. I mean, this was the week where it kind of felt like a moment where the Premiership suddenly, like there was, it felt like a bit of a sea change in the Premiership's relations to like head contacts and taking it seriously because we finally had refs that were brave enough to go you know what if you're not going to adjust your behavior i'm just going to keep sending off people people off until you get the message and that rare so rarely happens you know you might get one red card a game but to get two or even three you know when these can't we've, we've said so many times how often these contacts happen in rugby and you know the bath so the bath game on Friday night had two red cards and the Wasp Leicester game had three. And, yeah, it felt like a a moment. You know, Lee Blackett, the Wasps coach, described it as a wake-up call mm. and was very sort of forthright in saying, you know, every yeah, I've got nobody can have any complaints about all three of those red cards. They were all red cards. We as coaches and players need to fucking realise that this needs to change. And... It was a good time to do it, really, because nobody's paying attention to the Premiership in a no. sort of wider sense during the Six Nations. So in many ways, it was kind of a good time to go really hard on it because the players and the coaches will get the message, but it won't you know, be plastered all over the fucking front pages like it would be if it was 
And I think Lee Blackett gave a lot away there, actually. Because he did. I, I don't think he's a bad bloke or anything, but I just think it is a kind of, well, why is it taking you this long to wake up? Maybe change your alarm tune or something. Yeah. I, I, I was glad that he said it, but it is just, it was a little bit of, you know, oh, now you're fucking taking it seriously, you know? Well, what like, it gives away what... is the fact that they've not obviously changed how they coach anything. No. And that is the thing. It's like they need to... Because the, there was a big article this week about um, in the Telegraph this weekend after this talking to various defence coaches hmm. across the Prem, including Nick Easter and Julian Salvi and um, the guy at Wasps whose name escapes me, um, that was basically talking about how it's possible to clear, you know, there's no way rugby can't carry on clearing out play. We've talked about this last week. You can't get carry on clearing players out of rucks in the way that rugby players currently clear players out of rucks with the rules as they currently are, because, you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> Red cards, Nick Easter, who's, um, who's defense coach at the Falcons compared red, getting a red card to being caught speeding and basically sort of saying everyone does it and gets away with it all the time and then sometimes you get caught and you've got to take your medicine but like I like it. I have loads of sympathy for coaches trying to work out how to do this legally because it's hard but fucking hell like as you say like the co- the way that they're coaching players to do stuff and the decision making that they're sort of encouraging their players to have has got to change and it's got to they just can't carry on yeah <laughs> It's very obvious. No, and the question mark is because a lot of people say, no, well, why not scrap the protocols because it's not changing behaviour. So what's the point in sending people off? It's not going to change your behaviour. But I do think you can't, you can't unlearn literally, really, kind of a hundred years of culture, really. Yeah. Because and it's not even that it... And I don't mean that in terms of everybody just knocks everyone's head off all the time, but actually just... The way rugby's always been, and then the the progress of the dominant tackle, which has to be high, yeah, for it to be dominant, and that's been particularly big. That that was ironically hugely a big thing as these protocols came in, and yeah. people still keep talking about it all the time. Yeah. So you tr- you're having to uncover this whole gym based coached dominant tackle culture. Yeah, and it's going to take some time especially that point that people keep making well what's he supposed to do there because his coach will have a go at him for not attempting the clear out well okay yeah. if that's still happening then that's the problem isn't it because players yeah. do what the coaches ask them to do so I'll and tell coaches, them to do yeah coaches instead of going why didn't you fucking fly it because you know both of the like two red cards that we've seen in in the Six Nations this series were uh, this this season have been, you know, the second man coming in to clear out on a, on to be honest with you a lost cause, a ruck that you know, the the Xander Ferguson one that ruck was fucking done. He was going to do absolutely nothing to affect Win Jones winning that penalty because he was in a good position. He was over it, and the same with the the Omani one in the first Wales game, you know, he was doing absolutely fuck... You know, Thomas Francis wasn't doing anything to that ruck anyway because he was on his fucking back. And but takes, he was doing nothing to affect it. And yeah, players have been coached. Yeah, it's almost an instinctive response. Yeah, and if you see a ruck hit it... it takes a long time 
yeah to undo that wiring really mm. and i'm not right. and that doesn't mean the players are bad people it just takes a long time to undo it yeah it's an you know the players have been coached since they were probably fucking juniors and minis that if they see a ruck you know you get up and you fucking hit it especially if you're a forward and there's not much time to make these decisions but you know if there's a thought process that sort of says well if i go in there i'm not likely to win anything but i am running a risk of being sent off if the coach the coaches need to start saying you were best off not going in we were better to lose yeah. that possession there than you being sent off or whatever you know but you know as as was sort of covered in that that, te- that telegraph article it's like players are being coached that it's far better to concede a penalty for holding on than it is to allow a turnover because obviously because you can organize the defense after a penalty which is you know so at the same time it's sort of like getting coaches and players to the mindset of just understanding that you could lose a you know sometimes you lose a ruck sometimes it happens and because there is there is an idea that there's somehow a fucking plague of jackal everywhere, and there no, really isn't. Watch a game, and how many times there's an actual jackal that has to be shifted in a way that is worrying happen. I take your point about we talked about this off air, and you made a point about actually it's about changing the behaviour, there's less sub concussive impacts and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I think that's a different discussion that we need to address. That's phase two, I think. Yeah, but the, yeah. The, but the jackal thing is. People, I think, are getting to a right fucking lather about this for no, without enough evidence. Really, I don't think the jackal is something that happens enough, or is illegally smashed out the way enough to talk about fundamentally making it illegal. But I do agree that the point you were sort of making before is that we should be saying is actually start penalising people from holding on a bit long, a bit quicker. Yeah, it's just you know, it's the number one thing that I think. You know, if we're not going to be able to change player behaviour for certainly for the current generation of players to stop them hitting rucks, and if coaches are not going to stop players to you know to chasing lost causes at rucks, then refs just have to be absolutely fucking lightning quick on you know. And in many ways, we saw that it was bad. You know, Super Rugby loss season. The first couple of weeks of that were a fucking shit show because refs were really, really quick to give penalties for players not releasing. But the reality is, if if you do not immediately release the ball when you got on the ground, you're committing a cynical fucking offence and you should be penalised for it. But, you know, it's one of those things where you you just have to kind of deal with the bad shit for a couple of weeks. Because, you know, Super Rocky Otteroa, they got used to it. They stopped holding on as much. And after a couple of weeks, there wasn't as many penalties. You know, Ropey just has to sort of be all right in itself enough to go, we might have a couple of weeks of quite bad games, maybe even a couple of months of games that are quite penalty heavy and quite disjointed. But this is just something we have to go through to change player behavior and change Mm. coaching behavior. And it's ultimately for the, the overall greater good of the game that we're doing it. I do think that we need to probably analyse rooks the way we did tackles. Something needs to go away and have a look at it, have a look at yep. a year's worth of match data and start to understand where impacts and injuries are happening and, and the propensity of them and stuff like that, which I think would be would be a good thing. 
so we can understand the incidence and propensity of rook danger and what that actually means before because i think a lot of people are getting a bit worked up here over different things but that doesn't change the fact that you should just apply existing laws anyway stop people holding on for too long That's the stop thing. people you... charging in all those are already on the law book you know yeah it's like the key like I felt for him in a way because the Kieran Brooks red card, which absolutely was a red card, mm. but Kieran Brooks's red card was directly caused because the Leicester players were in a flying wedge in midfield, and he bumped off one of them. You know, he attempted to tackle three men who were pre-bound and running at him in midfield, and his shoulder slipped, and he caught the head of the man at the front. Now. That is absolutely a fucking red card, but that's absolutely also a fucking penalty. The flying because... wedge is coming back in, isn't it? Yeah, and I, and it's I think everywhere way, now because they've that's... got hot on it around the ruck. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll see how it pans out, but they were all the right decision, as the as people have said. Yeah, they were and all absolutely bang to rights. People with a vested have said as well, yeah. likely Blackett, you know. So they were bang to rights, and. Frankly, more of them should happen and more of them need to happen probably. But things do need to be done to to deal with the underlying reasons why these things are happening. And mostly, as you say, it's about just fucking actually enforcing the laws that are currently there (laughs) just more stringently. What else on the weekend? Do you know what? Do you know who loves a ring fence? Who loves a ring fence? Lost a lot of ring fence. Oh, they absolutely love one, don't they? Can't get enough of it. I mean, it's very, like, I mean, we talked about COVID earlier, but it's obviously, you know, the reason that they're saying that they won't ring fence this year is because it would be unfair to ring fence, uh, that would be unfair to relegate somebody in a season where so many games and so many, like, points are being given out for COVID cancellations. And that is true. But also, it's because a big fucking team like Gloucester is absolutely going to get relegated this year. (laughs) And they are not okay with that. Yeah, they'd be all they'd be all right with Newcastle or Worcester going down again, as <laughs> as is as is accepted. Leicester's unacceptable, but, but Leicester or Gloucester are not acceptable to go down. <laughs> Somebody from CVC's been on the phone, and apparently this is unacceptable. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll tell you what, toe bunging the ball off the tee is the new crack. For me. Uh, Hook that shit to my veins. Yeah, that was genuinely very funny. Joe Simmons MBE's fucking face afterwards. Pissing myself <laughs> laughing. And fair play to Rob Bax. You know, I've not said fair play to Rob Bax for a lot over the last 12 months, but fair play for him just going, yeah, he fucked up. No complaints. Yes, Whereas a, a lot of coaches would have had a lot to say about that. It was a technique issue that he needs to address. Yeah. It's where people go, well, a lot of kickers will have to sort that out. Well, yes. Because if you're going to give it, then people will get wise to it and start running out and toe-bonging the ball off the tee. But I'm... <laughs> oh, Which I am not is... against at all, by the way. Honestly, I just... I thought That's what I love about rugby, see? Mad shit like that can only happen here. The stuff that just looks completely out of the ordinary. People go, that, that must be wrong, mustn't it? Surely, somebody... Somebody get my legal team. That must be wrong. You look at, no, it's absolutely perfectly <laughs> no, 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 allowable. it's absolutely fine, yeah. But that's the thing, though. It's really, it's the sort of thing, it's almost like in baseball where, like, 
a pitcher gets fucking spanked all over the park because he's subconsciously tipping his pitches <laughs> yes. and with by doing some sort of weird yeah. sort of you know movement that's yeah. tipping off he lifts his left does. eyebrow he's about yeah. to throw it's it. exactly the same you know they've realized that his <laughs> i just watched it again because i wanted to obviously <laughs> um and it's really fucking funny but they've obviously gone hang on when he does his little kicking motion he actually moves takes forwards a, about three inches. he moves forward about three inches that's technically beginning his run-up let's give it a go lads what's the worst that could happen and and what can happen is is really something one of the funniest things that's happened all season without us out yes he looked like he he's kind of got a really innocent face had he Joe Simmons as well he, he, looked, he looked like he looked like he'd organised a party for three of his mates and it went viral <laughs> on social media and he op- and as he opened the door this army of people ran into his house. And he stood there thinking, he's just gone, this must be wrong. How can I stop this? I'm yeah. frightened. I've let everybody down. Is what wiped, is washed across his little face. Uh, Somebody's going to pour vodka in my mum's fish tank. It's great. Honestly, it's just... I yeah. can't believe it hasn't happened before. Because we yeah, because he wasn't that, that close in either. Because sometimes right in front of the post, you think, I'll have a go at this. I might get there. You know, yeah, but... he was fucking way back and out on the touchline. <laughs> you know, Slato had to fucking peg it to get there in time. You know, fair play to him. Sprinter's fucking paced yeah. there. But... You're going to give it the fucking Riverdale, son. I'm coming at you. <laughs> <sighs> uh, anything else on the weekend we want to talk about? Not really. No, should do shit good. Yeah. No Ospreys chat this weekend? Honestly, that was one of the worst games of rugby I've ever watched in my life. It was fucking appalling. <laughs> right, yeah. so you want to shit good? Shit good, yeah. Should we do it? Should we do an evergreen shit, by the way? Uh, oh, yeah. Premiership rugby banging on about social justice day and inclusion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was nice and hypocritical of them, wasn't it? While the Exeter's fucking ridiculousness literally walks amongst us amongst us every week yeah. as, as a sport. Not going to go into Maybe. it again. It's just fucking ridiculous. Just the fact that it's still a thing. Still, somehow. You know, even, you know, even Jeeper being told that they need to change the name of the Cherokee by the actual person in charge of the Cherokee tribe. <laughs> you know, at what and people point? say, how much further will this go? How much further will this go? I'll tell you what, mate. I'll tell you what, where it won't go as far, right? The people who own Jeep won't be asked to fucking move from where they live and get stuck in the middle of fucking nowhere and all die of disease <laughs> and still be fucking fuming about it 150 years later. It won't go that far, will it? Yeah, to change no. the name of the fucking car. Yeah, at worst, they might have spent a few quid on some... Some market research and some rebranding, which will ultimately they'll get to make a big song and dance and get a big massive publicity win out of it. So will probably actually be pay for itself several times over. The Cherokee in particular, right, is a particularly egregious example of unbelievable shit housing. By the way, because they were, you know, in inverted commas, one of the five civilized tribes. They'd started dressing in Western clothes. Most of them converted to Christianity. Well, they were from Georgia got a little corner of Georgia to live in. Then they found some gold in that little corner of Georgia they lived in. And they said, you can right, fuck off. You can yeah. fuck off. 
Yeah, but we've did what you asked us to do. We've, we're Christians now, and we dress like you, and we farm and shit. Fuck off. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, a, it was Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr., which, again, proves quite how westernised Cherokee yes. tribe has been, that his name is Chuck Hoskin. Um, but he said in a statement, I'm sure it cut, this comes from a place that is well-intentioned, but it does not honour us by having our name plastered on the side of a car. Take the word side of a car with front of a fucking rugby team. <laughs> and et voila. Honestly, fucking bored of talking about it now. Yeah. Get it fucking changed. Jesus. Uh, right, what else we got here in shit? Graham Golvin gets in touch. He said, shit is the France game COVID shit show. Yeah. France have 542,000 registered rugby players compared to Scotland's <laughs> 50,000. They have no excuse not to get a team on the pitch Sunday. Any delay is absurd unless the players are all taken ill actually on the day. I mean, yeah. Hey, New Zealand definitely... still had to play when they were all ill on the day in the World Cup final in 1995. Yeah. Yeah. Get them yeah. out that's there. That's a good point. That's a good point. I know they weren't infected with a fucking pandemic disease, but that's <laughs> by the by. Uh, what else have we got here? Have you got any shit, by the way, before I carry on with the tweet? Uh, I'll tell you what my shit is, and this is quite an involved shit, but it's been bubbling for a while. <laughs> Carl fucking Dixon, right? Yes. It's a good. Th- it's a good thing that more, you know, more ex players should be refs because it's important, and you know, it helps to have refs that have an understanding of what it's actually like to be a professional rugby player. I think. However, it's pretty obvious this season that he is extremely lenient to the point of dereliction of duty on pretty obvious red card offences. So not only was he the TMO in the refs here trying to talk out him out of the Xander Ferguson thing at Murrayfield, which was a very obvious red card, and he really was trying to talk him down for it. But um, he also was the one who bafflingly gave Bristol Sam Bedlow a yellow for what was the most obvious tip tackle I've seen in years, to be honest. It was absolutely, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, fuck, I haven't seen one of those in ages. Nobody does that anymore. Nobody lifts somebody above the horizontal and then just drops them on the floor. Like, it was way worse than Sam Warburton's one. It was like absolutely fucking textbook tip tackle, dropped him on the back of his neck, and obviously he's now been cited for it because it wasn't a yellow card. It was a clear red card. Hmm. And that's the fourth time in 10 games in the Prem this season that Dixon has not sent off a player who's then later been cited for a red card level offence. And it's just not a good look. Who's doing his performance reviews, by the way? <laughs> Fucking do you know what, though? I do think there's something to be... that You made the point, then, and I've done exactly the same thing. There's this automatic assumption that isn't it great that X players become refs, but why? There's a flip Does side of that. Does that actually stand up to any scrutiny? Because if you look at... Um, Football, very, very few refs have been professional players. Mm. There's always, you know, one of the things in football is, well, stop having to go on a fucking ref. Why don't you do it for a bit? You know what I mean? But they have a professional refereeing offer across the whole world, which nobody suggests is a massive issue. There's something about rugby's got more complexity, which needs more understanding. I'm not really sure that's the case. Well, and yet Nigel Owens admitted that he'd never, he'd never actually looked at the fucking rule book. He just learned on the job. Yeah, and I just, I just think that actually it's great that Carl Dixon wanted to do it and anybody who wants to be a ref should be praised. But these ex-players are fast-tracked in in the space of 18 months. 
Um, the Glenn Jackson was the same. He was doing yeah. international games with 18 months of retiring. And obviously they have to pass certain tests, but I don't... I think some analysis should be applied to the fact that it's automatically a good thing which produces better reps. I'm mm. not so sure it does. Yeah, no, it's actually... It's good. You said sort of... We say it's a good thing that we want and we want players to be refs, but I don't think we're talking about fucking scrum halves. You know? It's <laughs> <That's a very laughs> like, funny. We're talking, when we say we want ex players to be refs, we mean we want fucking props and front rowers. We want players that understand, you know, the technical bits of the game, like the scrum that most fucking referees don't have a fucking clue about. Carl Dixon doesn't understand any more about that game than a player than a ref who's never played a professional game of rugby in his life. He does. He does seem. You know. I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. I don't think he's deliberately ignoring rules. But you do seem to think there's a bit of an agenda here that he's trying to. If there's a bandwidth about following these protocols, he's at the as close to the not following, barely not following line as it's possible. Yeah, hundred percent. He's. It? He's. You know. Obviously, as an ex-player, he has a great sympathy for those players and is doing everything in his power to not send them off the field of the play. And fair enough, I guess, but I don't want to see it. Uh, speaking of refs, Joe Taring gets in touch and he says, shit, is that famous stickler for the rules of rugby, Nigel Owens, doing the media rounds to tell everybody that most of the sports issues can be solved by properly applying existing rules. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree, but why didn't you ever do that when you were playing then? <laughs> He's right, Joe. You're right, Joe. Also, this is that's a bit like. Do you remember when Wade Dooley was appointed as a sighting hearing panel member? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> it's like, whoa! I got a minute. Yeah. Did he? Was he just simply on there to sort of go? Well, I don't think you hit him hard enough. Quite honestly, I want to know what you have to do to get involved in the sighting commission, the sighting panel thing, right? Because I, I know lawyers. Well, that's the thing. They're not because I noticed that um, on the. I think it might have been the. Um, Sander Ferguson one, hmm. that one of the people on the panel was Stefan Tablanche. Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. Formerly of Ospreys, former Springbok, former, you know, a fantastic fullback and somebody whose name I literally haven't thought about for 15 years. But it was like, how the fuck does he all of a sudden get on the sighting well, panel? They've probably got a mix, haven't they? They've probably got a lawyer, a committee member and a player rep, haven't they? Yeah. An ex-player, maybe a lay who, member as well. He's from outside yeah. rugby altogether. Oh, can I be that? I'd love to. I, honestly, You're not outside love... rugby, we'd be well. in there as a fucking informed choice. <laughs> yeah, but I can pretend to be outside rugby and then go fucking spanning for fifty weeks. A bit like with Carl Dixon being as close to being outside the rules as it's possible to be. I think we're as close to outside of rugby as possible. We absolutely are. By still being in it. With that bit in the Truman Show, we've just driven up against what should be the sky and banged our heads on it, sort of thing, to Basically, try and get out of yeah. rugby. My dog's barking, which is annoying. Um, right, what else have we got here? Dancing Teg Danson says, is shit, people ruining big light or lamp by having both their big light and their lamp on. I mean, what is wrong with these people? This is reported as a... T- I can't remember what he's referring to, but I do remember he mentioned somebody stating this, didn't he? Wasn't somebody, he a somebody, somebody famous, I can't remember who... Mentioned that they were walking past and seeing people walking past people's open curtains and seeing people with both the big light and the lamp on. And I'm sorry, those people are fucking dangerous, dangerous psychopaths and should be instantly. They should be on a watch list. I think we need to make the point actually, because let's not forget, clocks go forward in a few weeks. Yeah, there's only a certain limited. Nobody wants to be walking around at like nine o'clock at night to do big light lamp. So you need to use as much as your window is. Is shrinking big style. 
need to do as much as you can now for your tea time walk for big light or lamp. Maximise it. Maximise mm-hmm. it. Matt Merrick gets in touch. He says, shit is London Irish's first half against Bristol. He said, but good was their second half, but my stress levels were beyond, he says, Matt. Funny old game, that, wasn't it? That was a bizarre game. That was a game that I absolutely... Did, I wasn't aware that Bristol was sort of letting that game slip away until the exact moment that they let it slip away. It was like it sort of it was kind of came out of nowhere that all of a sudden their sort of thirty-one ten or whatever it was lead at half time just evaporated into. I just don't understand what happened in that game. It was really a really strange game, a really entertaining game, but a really strange game. Somebody actually sent a tweet saying that shit was you and good was Paddy Jackson. What kind of cunt was that? I don't even remember the name. I just blocked them immediately. <laughs> I'm assuming you've had a row with them about it at some point. Um, I think uh, I, I jokingly... I, actually, shit also is uh, Brad Davis, who uh, is Irish's defence coach, formerly Osprey's defence coach and Wasp's defence coach, um, being filmed um, by BT's cameras with just a mask just over his nose. Not over his mouth at all, just over his nose. That is like, a genuinely new development, though, because I've seen lots of people dick-nosing yeah, over yeah, yeah. the top of the mask with he's the literally, nose. He's literally where, like, he's, like his nose is Batman or something. It was really weird. I, I, just put, I just sort of posted a photo of it, making a funny joke, and just mentioned that London Irish were the worst. And I didn't even need to mention that cunt Paddy Jackson. <laughs> and certain people just got really... Brilliant. They're very, they're very het up and very easily triggered about all that sort of stuff, aren't they? They were so het up that they came back and found a shit good nomination request some days later. Bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. Anyway, so I'm not going to say who it was. Obviously, I just blocked them immediately. Anyway, um, Alex says the dawning shit is the dawning realization that no matter what happens with France versus Scotland game, it's most likely, most likely going to disadvantage Scotland, and and we'll still come out of it with everyone thinking that we're cunts. You may control. If you do, it'll be Mark Honestly. Dodson's fault. That much yeah. is that much is without Absolutely. doubt, isn't it? Agreed. Colin McBride gets in touch. He says, "Shit is the dragons kick dragons kicking the ball off and taking the losing bonus point rather than having a crack for the win against Leinster." He says, "Okay, it was the right thing to do for them, but it would have been handy as an Ulster fan if they'd managed to beat Leinster." Was it the right thing for them? I don't think it was. It's like, oh yeah, well, a point's a point. A losing bonus point, a losing bonus point. It's like, if you looked at the table, there's no playoffs this year. They're fucking way behind Ospreys and Glasgow. That point is going to make absolutely no difference to their season, whereas having a crack at beating Leinster might well have, you know, would have been a huge moment for the Dragons in their development. I thought it was a really bad decision. It's all about it's all about baby steps. Remember where they come from, Josh? Remember how long Dragons' shit watch lasted for on I this know, podcast? I know, I know. Rob Eaton gets in touch. He says, shit good. London Irish versus Bristol. Again, best described as mad shit. Or you've, yep. Rob says here as well, shit. Brad Davis wearing a mask combined with Nick Phipps and Paddy Jackson's halfback pairing making my team immensely more dislikable despite their good performances on the pitch. Feel for you, Rob. Feel for you. Hmm. You, you don't control the signings, do you, mate? And they're still your club, No, it's the so. thing. It's, it's, it's very hard. It's, it must be very hard to have... Uh, that much of a cunt as Paddy Jackson that you'll fly off of a club that you've loved and has been otherwise pretty all right. Yeah, yeah, a bit like a kindly ant, London Irish. Nobody yeah. thought that. Must be a West London thing. QPR like that in football. Nobody could mm. be upset with QPR. And they're not far away, you know, in West London there. 
Anyway, Adam Fletcher gets in touch. He says, shit, it's Stormers. This is on the Patreon service, Adam got in touch. He said, shit, it's Stormers and Western Province shit in the bed and ruining a heritage and letting Sia Khaleesi go. But good for the Sharks for signing Sia Khaleesi. Fair dues. And finally, Pete Cresswell says, shit is known in the, in the UK picking up Super Rugby broadcasting rights. I think this is a symptom of a wider malaise. I think actually, it is too, yeah. In that nobody wants to pay any advertising for anything because nobody's watching. Yeah, this the problem with Super Rugby is that it is not on at a very friendly time of day, especially when you remove um, all of the like South African games, which would are at least on in the same time zone. Obviously, like that's not happening now because of everything that's happening with with the the Rainbow Cup and all this sort of stuff. So you've got games that start at six o'clock in the morning on a weekend, or at best ten a.m. It's not apparently. I, I, it's a hard sell when you have to. You know, you think of what Sky did with Super Rugby in the past, where they'd have a full fucking studio broadcast. Yes. With, uh, five pundit, in the morning. Yeah. with pundits and a presenter and everything. That ain't cheap. And I can only assume that, you know, they were happy to keep that once when they were trying to have that Sky Rugby channel when they were hoping to get the premiership back and stuff. Now that they're not, I don't think Sky give a single shiny fuck about Rugby Union that isn't the Lions Tour or England games. Yeah. But there keeps being some talk that something is going to happen. Um, Rugby Pass have sort of made some noises that they might be having, they might be using the rights. Because that's the other thing is you've got to put, you know, if you just want to stream it on the internet, you can just use the local comms and, you know, you don't have to worry about adverts, you don't have to worry about fucking airtime, all of that sort of stuff. You don't Nobody have to wants pundits anyway. Why are they wasting oh, the time exactly, on it? Honestly. Um, yeah, both Super Rugby uh, Otoroa on Twitter and Rugby Pass have both said that something should be in place before the start of Otoroa. So I hope so. But it's not, I just like watching it on my telly. Like, is it so much to, too much to ask to just watch some sport on my telly? My favourite punditry problem in that, it just still baffles me. You know, in the NFL, and everyone talks mm. about and NFL has great analysis from the people who are good at it, doesn't it? It does. And and ever since I was a kid, you know, that thing where they, they invented drawing on the screen, didn't they? Yellow lines and arrows and all that shit. And I was watching a game the other week, and they said, and they, they replayed a play, and they said, and, and they, they paused it, and a bloke drew about four lines on the screen. So he goes in, he goes in, he goes in. And then it started moving, and I was like, I still didn't see that any of that happened. I'm sure it yeah, did. This I just didn't this, actually recognise anything yeah. of what you just said was about to happen. Yeah. I couldn't see it. It's, a, it's, a, it's certainly the sort of thing that uh, certain rugby pundits do when they're sort of trying to seem slightly <laughs> too clever for their own good, and they'll tell you how a thing happened, and you go, "Really? <laughs> <laughs> I've rewinded this four times now. I, I can't, can't see, see that. that." Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to good because we've been going on for a while. Uh, Chris Corcoran who we interviewed for a rugby life. Very nice man, is Chris. Uh, he said, good, it's the prospects of England versus Wales this weekend. Wales versus England even, yes. And the quality of the Six Nations game so far. Uh, do we agree with that? I, I mean, think so. Given we're right. in plague ball, you know, it's yeah, pretty good. Given, it? for, 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 I think 
everyone's quite happy about this Six Nations not being dog shit because of how bad the Alton Nations Cup was. Mm. Like, that was like fucking shit in concrete, so... Gav the salary cap gets in touch. He says, good is Mike Ford's voodoo doll or karma, whichever is your preferred belief system. I'm assuming you're referring <laughs> to Sam Burgess's continued fall from grace after his slagging off of Mike Ford. Yeah. Adrian White gets in touch and says, good, I can't believe I'm writing this, but Ben Kay's halftime analysis following the visa red card was balanced and focused on players needing to change behavior. Good. More of that, yeah. I say. Oh, yeah. Sam Marsh says, good is Jamie Doby for Glasgow. Very promising player. Been called up to Scotland, of course. Um, Alex Shaw, he of the I Know Everything About Rugby, rugby pass man, Alex Shaw, described, mm. I, I read this the other day, described Jamie Doby as the best age grade nine, the best nine he's seen coming through the grades in the five years he's been doing it. Wow, fair play. And, and he's not one for hyperbole as Alex. No, he's so not. So he obviously means that. Uh, Hugo Gordon gets in touch and he said, I've got shit here and a good bit. I don't know why, but let's do it anyway. He said, he, he said, shit was Rodney Parade doing its best impression of the Somme battlefield three <laughs> days great, in. I love that though, because I have my other podcast is Nesson Doma, the retro football podcast. And I, I, we did the Villa season last week and I had to watch a lot of highlights from 1981 and the pitches were fucking mm brilliant they were so awful <laughs> and I love the fact that in modern rugby you can still see something resembling a 1982 football pitch full of sand and Indeed. water so actually while we're sort of veering back into shit momentarily okay. uh, friend of the pod Graham Love uh, gets in touch to just point out the shit of <laughs> the Dragons and Edinburgh are playing their postponed Pro 14 match which was postponed earlier this season because of Covid the day after the final of the competition the day after which, the final of the competition. Which is just the most Pro 14 thing ever. I mean, so much point to it. It's it's hard to articulate how much of a point there is to playing that game a day after the final. Just just fucking cancel it. Just every, I, I sort of had a little... Can you imagine, hey, imagine the numbers you'd have to tell Jiffy were watching that? He'd have a heart attack on the spot. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know, you pro- the, the reason they're doing it is because... Um, Dragons then both can't make the final because they're fifth in their respective conferences, but they could still be up in the running for European places. Yeah, but uh, honestly, it just makes the whole thing look very silly. Gonzalo Padrenas, Prad- sorry, I'm sorry, Gonzalo. I'll try that again. Gonzalo Pradrenas, Pradenas. Did a terrible I'll, job I'll, of this. Gonzalo Pradenas. I don't know where your accent is, Gonzalo, and your surname. So that was my best stab at it. I apologise. He said, God is the first Ulster try this weekend. All from and between Madigan intercepting the ball to Lowry sprinting and grounding was absolute rugby porn. Yes. Yeah, it was very, very good. Speaking of absolute rugby porn. Yes. um, Steven Olago, Bristol winger, just come over from rugby league. Clearly still a work in progress, mm. obviously, still kind of getting to grips with the code, but fucking hell, if and when he gets to grips with the finer points of wing play in Rugby Union, he is going to be a fucking superstar. Eight carries, right, mm. on the weekend against Irish. Six clean breaks. 198 metres made. <laughs> still managed to lose the game. Two tries, yeah. <laughs> the... um. And he, yeah, he, 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 got, he had something like 16, 17 tackles as well. He's really looking like he's taking to rugby union 
in a way that makes you go, oh, Jesus Christ, they're going to have somebody else. That's a reason to obviously have the Super Rugby over here. So in our in Aotearoa, we can all make some thermonuclear takes about Roger Tuivasa Shek. <laughs> How am I supposed to do yeah. that? I can't watch it. Rose gets in touch. He says, good. Is we Mike Lowry's magic feet? Yes, but shit yes. is a knowledge deep inside that Andy Farrell's never picking a five foot seven fullback in this no. island team. No. Goodness no. Live in there now. Reese not says He wouldn't pick a five foot seven scrum off, let alone no. a fullback. He wouldn't pick a five foot seven person to do anything. <laughs> He'd disown his child if it was five foot seven, Andy Farrell. Yeah, he would. Uh, good, uh, Reese not says good is was how unbelievably laid back Falatau was after he scored his try on Friday. I did enjoy that. So he I know you get fined have... for celebrating, but he didn't even bother smiling. <laughs> no, <laughs> just it was yeah. He was very very good for Bath actually. Yeah, and well. he survived, which was my main concern. And as and as Reese points out, he cuddled Louis Reese Summit at the end. No. Oh. Shouldn't be doing that, obviously. No, shouldn't but be doing that. The fact they tackled each other for 80 minutes, I don't think one more cuddle will make a difference to you. No, probably not. Tom Dare says, the as good as the absolute chutzpah of uh, Ollie Slytone charging down Joe Simmons, yes. Yes. He said it certainly was great because he's a Northampton fan, isn't he, Tom? So good for you. Mm-hmm. And Jack Hurst says, good as gl- grassroots rugby might return within the next decade, according to the government. <laughs> yes. He said, but shit is, I'm going to have to get fit again to play rugby. Yeah, you are. Fit again to play rugby. Wow. I'm going to have to fit again to walk from my fucking car in the car park into the <laughs> office. That's what I, That's my first step. And that, as they say, is us. I think it is, isn't it? Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll speak to you all next Preach. week. Bye-bye. So long. Niall lives on a hill, a very steep hill which is great for the calf muscles. But when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbours' pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about. And from only €45 per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry. Be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See Dacia.ie. Social Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.